a choice right now, right now, between fear and love. It's just a rock. Out of the dark night of ignorance and into the shining light of truth. Expounding reality. A population of citizens capable of critical thinking. We don't see things as they are, we see them as we are. There's a, a level of reality where everything dissolves into an ocean of energy. We empower our experience by insisting on our authenticity. That's very profound. Very profound. Expanding reality. reality. Welcome to Expanding Reality. I am your host, Brandon Thomas, on this incredibly cool episode, guys. We have Tony Rodriguez. He was a member of the Secret Space Program and the 20 and Back program that we're going to talk about here and it is fascinating guys so of course check the show notes for all the ways to find him his website his book cirrus colony cavalier is located all kinds of down there so go check it out for sure while you guys are exploring that uh, check out our resource links down there in the show description as well also there's expandingrealitypodcast.com that is our central hub for everything my favorite part about it is no videos or content gets banned over there it's all our stuff so i'm not going to pull a guest's uh, conversation down just because I think it'll piss some people off. No, 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 it's all over there. So you guys go check it out. Uh, also, if you'd like to support the show, one of the best ways to do so is to sign up to become an expansive insider. And that is where all the bonus stuff is located. And it's just an awesome value exchange to be able to enjoy and, and support the show here. Now, if you don't want to take advantage of all the bonus stuff and you still want to support, you're like, dude, the show is awesome. How can I help? Well, there's a link down in the show description that reads support the mission, and that is how you can do that. Uh, there's no cap, no ceiling, no firmament on that. You guys absolutely go nuts. And thank you all for anyone who's appreciating the value exchange model. That's what we do here. If you find this valuable, participate in that. And that's all we ever ask, of course, and to like and share and all that good stuff too. So guys, let's get to this incredibly cool conversation with Tony Rodriguez. Ladies and gentlemen, welcoming to the show, we have Tony Rodriguez, the Secret Space Program Experiencer. We haven't done a Secret Space yet. I am super pumped about this. I saw your Michael Sala interview on your website. Just super pumped about that combination anyway. But dude, you're fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. So I'm super pumped to get into this. So for my audience that isn't, doesn't know you as well as I do right now, uh, just tell us a little bit about you, brother. Uh, wow. So... Um... My name's Tony Rodriguez, and I have a website. I've been doing this for, <clears throat> geez, since 2016. It was like 2015. I got, I had a memory recall, like a breakthrough moment where I remembered being abducted and being used in black programs, sold from program to program, and actually sold into the secret space program infrastructure where I served uh, in a few different programs. And when I would out, outlive my use they would retrain me assess me retrain me and sell me to another one and i ended up living on something called the series colony uh series colony corporation it's a planetoid in between mars and the asteroid belt series c-e-r-e-s and you know they put me back and i forgot everything they they deleted my memories or blanked them or whatever term you want to say and uh you know i was 10 years old when they took me and they put me back it's uh called the career return program or a 20 and back program. And, uh, I had no, I was changed. I had problem. I had emotional problems. I had problems 
And I had no idea why, what was going on with me my whole life. And then in 2015, I got an MRI and I learned uh, like a week later, uh, two weeks later after an MRI that um, about the program that they could take you and keep you (laughs) and put you back. And so I always thought I was taken many times. I had vague memories of the original uh, intake when I was taken and I had other vague snippets, little fragmented memories of time and space. And it didn't make any sense to me. So I brushed it off. But once I learned that and the memories all came back in 2015, I thought, um, this is something more than uh, a vivid imagination. It's something more than some kind. I'm not, I'm not, I'm a very functional person. I don't have any kind of like schizophrenia or any kind of weird tendencies where I need to be medicated or I, you know, I don't need counseling. And so I knew something was, uh, very profound that I was remembering. And what was, what happened was I began to research the things I remembered. So if you can imagine, you know, never going to a town, like a small, there's a small town called McBain, Michigan nearby. I'm sure you've never heard of it. Never. So you have no idea what it looks like, the population, the economy, the weather, the smells, the roads, you don't know your way around McBain, right? So imagine one day you woke up and you remembered living in McBain for a couple of years and you had the smell, the memory, you knew the, the layout of the town. You went, whoa, does this town even exist? And you went on Google Earth and you went, oh my God, there it is. And it's exactly how you remember it. That's what happened to me. That's exactly what happened to me. I lived in Peru during this time in a town It's there. I've checked with people. I've checked with things that I remember being built in 83 and it checked out. And then I lived in Seattle. There's a time I went back to that house. I knew, I knew the area, like the back of my hand. I've never been there. I can prove I've never been there, but I knew everywhere. And I documented that with researchers. I knew places in California. And finally on series on the planetoid series, I called out things, uh, geological features before NASA did. And it took NASA a while to confirm the chemical makeup the way that I did. And it all checked out, man. It's like, it's crazy. It's so it checked out. So I did an interview and one led to another, one to another. And then it started taking up, eating up a lot of my time, you know, like we're talking every Saturday for sure. For the last six years, you know what I mean? Like I'm dealing with people, not only doing interviews or, uh, you know, online stuff, but like people contacting me saying, look, I think I went through the same thing. I saw your interview, Tony. I think I went through the same thing and I'd like to talk to you about it. And I get a lot of those. And so, and then I finally wrote the book. I got, it took me six years to write. It was very painful and very difficult to write the book, but I got that out. It was a bestseller. It was a bestseller last week. Uh, last week it broke it again, but it, it spent six weeks at number one when it first goes released in January. And uh, it's got a lot, you know, 500 some reviews. People like the book, but it's difficult. It's not a Star Trek episode. It's not a, um, what do you call it? Vanilla Star Trek episode. It's a, you know, it's harrowing. A lot of people have a hard time reading the book. People, I've heard people that, you know, cried reading it or angry and, and, you know, they get angry. It's like the book, it, it stokes a lot of emotion because it's a true, it, it's written as a true account. It's my account, what I remember. And um, so, but the, after that was out there, it's out there. So I'm working on the second book and I'm continuing to do these talks and I deal with people. So it is what it is. I call it the best I can. And unfortunately, the more things that I check out, keep checking out. So I always wait for that silver bullet. That's going to be some other explanation. Like, no, Tony, that didn't happen. It's just, this is a weird, like you had, you ate some kind of flour thing that was in your pizza. You get a gourmet pizza and some people get this side effect, but that's not been the case. In fact, every time I find another thing that I can check out and somebody else goes and check it, like it pans out, like little things keep panning up. 
Sorry, I'm on a I'm on a roll here. No, brother, you're killing it already, straight out the gate. I knew this is going to be awesome. But yes, uh, your book, Cirrus Colony Cavalier, and your website, and all the ways to find you, of course, are going to be linked down in the show notes. On your website as well, what you were talking about, about somebody approaching you and saying, hey, I think I had an experience. You have a recall course that you offer for folks, and you take them through kind of, you know, hey, uh, do you think that you were... 20 and backed, which is amazing. Like, again, the the whole concept of this is mind-blowing. So I'd kind of like to start, and, and also, yeah, I'd add to this uh, what you touched on about your story. It is dark, man. Your MK Ultra style, like, you know, intro into this program, how you even got it started, and we'll get there. But, I mean, the whole thing is just, it's sick and disgusting. Like, you think, um, you know, it's going to be awesome, but you were a slave. You know, I mean, the people like Corey Good and stuff, they make it sound like you're out there with flamethrowers and like you're, you know, the Arnold Schwarzeneggers of space, like rolling around just kicking ass all the time. And yeah. it's it's not like that, uh, which is which kind of sucks to be honest with you. It's like if you want to have a secret space program, make it dope as shit. Make you make it flamethrowers in space. Make it what we want. You know, I don't care how it happens. I just want to, I just want you to tell me about it. So, and I do want to touch on some of the cooler elements of this too, just you know, for funsies. But uh, so, if you don't mind, brother, uh, take us to 1981. Uh, what happened? Uh well, actually, it was 82. So in the beginning, it was the year. It was the school year of 81 to 82. Gotcha. So in the beginning, like when I did the Salah interview like that, a lot of that hadn't been sorted out and I continued to remember things. And so I want to say this about the memory course, because what's I don't know, really. I mean, you know, I'm new to your show and you said this is a space program, you know, like a first. I don't know. So I don't know where you're where the viewer or listener is, you know, where the audience is. And um so a lot of people hear this information if they hear it for the first time. The people who listen to these shows or like any kind of fringe kind of show is because they know something's wrong or, you know what I mean? They know that, that it's possible in the first place. People are searching because they saw something that they weren't supposed to see at some point in their life. So they're the, that's what I found is most of the audience. Um yeah, you're you're in good hands here. You are in very yeah. good company. People want you to go for it. You're uh, with family. I'm cool. Well, yeah. I, you know what I mean? Like if you were listening to what I if you read my book and you listened to my stuff and you did weren't a little skeptical, it would be weird. It'd be weird if you weren't skeptical. So that's I'm cool with that. But, you well, know, here, uh, then let's let's do this straight out the gate. Because, yes, this is the first time that we've met. Uh, we got hooked up through Ghost, a uh, great friend of ours, uh, mutually. So shout out Ghost. One of the things on this show that we do here and that I do and embody is I'm not out to prove anybody wrong or me right. Because, number one, I have no idea what's going on here. I'm all about the possibilities. Another thing to this quantum physics and the look what we've been researching with that and the you know ethereal and things like that. Uh, it's, it's looking like we're not even in the same reality. So to me, consensus reality is kind of up for grabs here. And my audience is very attuned to a very open-minded way of looking at stuff. So you are 0% judged, open arm embraced, and I can't fucking wait for this, dude. So yes, please feel comfortable. Well, like I said, like, so even if there was the case, like I, at this point, I have a lot that I can defend myself in a room of skeptics. Like I did a, I did a talk in Silicon Valley in front of a bunch of scientists and business people. And I had to defend myself and I, I feel I could do that, but I do, I want to touch on this. Like in the beginning, the, the memory, remembering this of something like industrial grade amnesia, that if you think about that, like, that's yeah. what I had. They gave me amnesia with industrial, with space age, like technology from a thousand years in the future. Like, so to overcome that is rare for one, but there are thousands, literally thousands of people that ha- that remember serving in a program like mine. Um, the fl- what what people are concluding nowadays, they start to get these fragmented memories and they get two or three kind of 
outside points of data that, you know, like a brother or sister be like, I remember seeing the craft too. Mm. And so they're like, whoa, there's more to this. I'm not dreaming this up. And, but they don't have like, I have a big recall. Like I'll admit it. I have, I have like 70, 80% of the, of 20 years worth of what happened that was blanked that I remember now. So it's rare. I'm a rarity. I thought I wouldn't be, but I am. Now they have to know that this is a possibility that people will snap out of this, that um, regression exists, that you can have a really strong uh, uh, psychedelic experience and probably recall some of this stuff. So they have to know that this is inevitable. Do you think that they just count on that people won't believe you and that it's so out there that it doesn't matter? Right. So they just admitted that there's UAPs and nobody blinked an eye. Yeah. We've been so heavily programmed that we're unaware of it. People are so heavily programmed. I say it all the time. When people come, when people are skeptical and they're like, you know what, Tony, blah, blah, blah. For whatever reason, I say, look, if a gray ET appeared next to me at this very moment, walked up and said telepathically hello to you and the audience and you heard it in your mind and then he disappeared five minutes later, you'd think that was a cool trick. You wouldn't even believe it. In a second, we'd be number one podcast, number one. (laughs) <laughs> we would be all about it. I well, would not stop talking no, about it. Well, no, people wouldn't believe it. What, what I'm saying is it wouldn't, it wouldn't have the, if I walked, I was, I did a, I did a talk in Vegas and walked down Fremont street. And I said, if a gray alien walked down the street, everybody would think what a great trick that was. They would not believe it. It would not find its way to the news. And if it did, if the news was like, look, there was a gray alien, people would blink and they'd carry on about their way. We've been programmed to turn away from it. Yeah, you know, and, it's just real. And the Project Bluebeam stuff with the 7D technology, and we've researched that quite a bit. And so if they're capable of doing these things, and there was a video I played uh, from 20, 2005 of this crazy 7D hologram, and that was in Japan, of course, and it was badass. But if they can do that, yeah. I mean, I'd be very skeptical. If you can bring Tupac back and just have him dance around on stage for a little bit and then say a gray alien's walking around, or I'd be skeptical. Suit, but you know what I mean? Cool. Like, yeah. Even the telebit, like I said, like people are conditioned to just not believe it. We've been, we've been programmed yeah. to it over time. But um, so to, to get on to a different point, um, when I got my memories back, I, I had a hard time, you know what I mean? Putting it all together. It was just a lot. And I started doing interviews and people would ask me, so what happens is you, you remember the, the really, the, you remember the big moments, the, the oh shit moments. Yeah. So those are the first memories that came back. The times I got in a fight, the time, the first time I saw stars in while I was in space, the first time I saw another planet, we're falling in love. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, these are the things I remembered first. Those are the clear memories. I don't really remember, you know, you don't remember the mundane, you don't remember plunging the toilet kind of stuff. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? For lack of a, t- you know, better term. And what happened was I started doing interviews and people were like, well, what was the bathroom like? What did you brush your teeth? What, how did you get your hair cut? Did you have a facial hair? And it, I first, I couldn't remember that. And I went, if this is real. And then I told myself, you know what I mean? Because I am my worst skeptic. I, 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 I remind myself of this because I'm speaking about it publicly at, to great detriment to my own personal reputation and my children, my family's reputation. You know, my kids put up with it at school. Like I saw your dad. You know what I mean? Talking about he knows aliens on YouTube. And my kids put up, this is real, man. So I wouldn't do that if I wasn't absolutely sure, if I didn't have proof to myself. So when people ask me these questions and I really couldn't call up the memory, I thought, I know I brushed, we had to brush my teeth. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. 
Like I would well, ask, you said fall in love. So the question I was asking is, do you have space kids running around out there? Like, did you breed in space? Like while you're on the moon and shit? I wish. I, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's what I want to know. What's, but, what's, um, banging, in, what's banging in zero gravity like? Like I want to oh, know I that had, shit. I had a girlfriend. We did. We had sex in lower, gra- lesser gravity. Okay. So, a little. Zero uh, gravity. It was how did that not, work with inertia and all that stuff? Do you have to kind of bounce off the Lesser walls? gravity was better. They say that uh, zero gravity was a no-go. So nope. nobody wanted, yeah, they said, don't do it. So don't do it. Um, okay. Okay. You heard it here. So that's a story. That's a different story. I think it's in the book too. I think that whole scene is in the book. Awesome. Um, Linked in the show. What, yeah. I'll, you're right. I'll give you that stuff. But so what happened was I thought, man, I've got, I should have be able to remember this. If these are real, I shouldn't be able to remember when I got a haircut. I should be able to remember these things. I'm, if I'm going to go on stage, if I'm going to go on in front of camera in front of hundred thousand people and talk about this, I should be able to remember brushing my teeth. And so I kind of figured out exercises about it. I figured out an exercise and what happened was I did remember, I went, Oh, we had disposable, those junky disposable toothbrush and they were in a plastic wrapper and then we throw them away every morning. And we had, you know, and then when our hair got long, we got inspected going in and out of the barracks and they'd say, go over there. It's time to get a haircut. And I started to remember these things. I, I, I figured out a, a method, like an exercise. Your brain's a muscle. Your long-term memory is a muscle. We don't use it. You use your short-term memory all the time, literally, while every time you're awake. Your, your long-term memory, you very rarely use it. It's a weaker muscle. And so I figured out kind of an exercise for it in the mornings, and I have a thing. And so that's what I did. I, I've never had regression. I've never had a hypnoregression. Uh, and a lot of people go to that. And hypnoregression is a lot like a tattoo. You can get a beautiful tattoo or you can get a jailhouse quality tattoo. And you can get a great regression or you can get devastated by a re- bad regression. And so I, that's what I tell people. Like, whoa, don't just, you know, people contact me and I'm like, how much do you remember? Like, I don't know, a little bit. I'm like, do not get a regression yet. Let's work with what we got and let's make the most of what we got and then get, let's get a baseline and then go to the regression. Like, I'm not saying don't do it. I'm saying get the best one you can, like you would a tattoo, get a, get a famous artist. Yeah. Um, a couple things to what you're talking about here. So the things that they're asking you to remember is super mundane shit. Like I couldn't tell you what I had for three fast foods ago. You know what I'm saying? So like, it's like these, this 90% action, you know, this subconscious stuff like this driving around and shit. That's why I want to know what banging in space is like. I don't give a shit if you can remember if you brush your teeth or not. Like it's silly to me that that's uh, a point of like, Gotcha. You're for some folks. Yeah. I just think some folks are like that. Uh, oh, and it, wow. we'll go deeper into that. The world is actually just a mirror to you. And maybe we can talk about how I can help you rewrite any interaction that you have coming at you just by thinking about it differently. I'll, uh, we'll talk off here. But, uh, another thing is, is like, whenever you talk about like people focusing on that kind of shit, it doesn't matter. It's mundane. The adventurous stuff, the high adrenaline things, the things that really made a difference. Like you said, the emotive memories are the ones that you've got. Those are the ones that you may connections too so that little mundane nitpicky shit i think it gets away from like talking about banging in space man you know what i'm saying it's like people gotta relax. i like how you come back to that well and you know what to be fair i'm I'm talking about researchers yeah so another thing is there's a lot of people talking about being in the space programs and i hate the word super soldier but people that are super soldiers that have no memory of it somebody told them they were from a, on a tarot card reading or whatever it is and they're talking about it and they don't and they've never been vetted. No, no researcher, no legitimate researcher has cross-examined them. And the reason they ask for those nitpicky things is so that they so I go, yeah, it was a disposable toothbrush in a public shower. So that if somebody else comes to that researcher and says, 
you know, I was taken and they go, do you remember anything mundane? Like what was the toothbrush like? And they go, it was a disposable toothbrush. Then that's a vetting point. You know, you see what I'm saying? Like it's super important for some, for a researcher to have these details, to know those things. And it's very, it's also super important for people to be able to recite them for somebody to come up and say, you know, like they had, they had a timer that made us artificially go to sleep. So every night at the same time, a, bo- a box in our room made us go to sleep. We slept exactly at the same time every night. And so it's important to know stuff like that, because if you want to be taken seriously, there's so many people coming forward. And frankly, there are CIA assets. There are, there are disinfo agents coming forward now that are kind of some big names in the community, but there are people coming forward to fake it, to dilute the information because they are still, oh, yeah. there's still a very, there's still a very, um, ramped up effort to make us look stupid so that people don't believe it because they want to keep it a secret. And the reason they keep it a secret is because of the slavery, because of the human rights and because of the radical profits and the advancements that they're getting for a few, for a select few people versus the the rest of us. Like we're talking about not just a, not just getting from A to B quickly. We're talking about li- doubling your lifespan kind of yeah. technology. So, so this um, is this is the shit. Let it, let's get into it. So, tell us about the technology because some people out there may not have even heard what twenty and back is. So, what's going on with this, man? Let's uh, let's set up what the technology is and then talk us through eighty two. Sure. Um, so, in 80, 1980, I It's my understanding that I've heard from researchers is that. Um. The MJ-12 group went global before prior, long prior to this. The MJ-12 group uh, in the National Security Act of 1947 was actually contact with ETs. And long before that, uh, a group, not the Germans, not the Nazis, but a security group like their version of the CIA and uh, part, parts of the University of Munich, if I got that right, discovered Antigrav and went into space. And what they found, lo and behold, was that not only... Um, is there life out there, intelligent life, but it's everywhere. And on the backside of the moon, that there are several species that are inhabiting inside the moon and there's treaties and it's a very contested place. And there's a lot, there are large groups or uh, organizations made up of hundreds of thousands of worlds that work together and they each have their little pots. uh, They have real estate in our solar system. And so they went up there and made, made treaties with the only ones that would have them who are very aggressive and very, um, inhumane uh, reptilians, basically the Orion group. And it's made up of literally thousands of world, different species, but it's headed up by the reptilians that are more advanced and they're in our local area. This is fascinating because this is the thing, right? Whenever people talk about, oh, Zeta Reticuli and uh, Draco constellation and all that stuff, it's way over there. You know, what technology? Number one, it's probably not hard for them, right? Number two, they're probably not that far away. I love that you brought this up, that there's just kind of like a, a food court of different alien beings on the backside of the moon that all have like a little pod, like that movie Valerian, right? Have you ever seen that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh yeah. yeah. With all the, all the, the little space and then everybody's in it. That's so cool because then, yeah, they're local. Yeah. They're draconian. You get abducted by reptilians, but maybe they just take your ass to the moon, you know, right next door to the Pleiadians. And then you got the grays right over there and maybe they borrow a couple and team up, you know, grab a couple of grays and send them out like automatons. Right. And maybe this is what the crossover is. So it might not That's be that exactly... far away. I love the point. I just wanted to point it out. That's exactly right. And then further on into the solar system around Jupiter, there's a great deal of infrastructure and many different species living there, both on the moons, on the larger uh, Jovian moons and in bases that are in, you know, space stations that are around Jupiter, because Jupiter being a failed star um, has a lot of uh, natural areas that are 
that are kind of tears in time space. So there are rips, in, there are temporal bubbles around Jupiter, and there are wormhole entrances around Jupiter that are basically used to travel to other galaxies. So space is not that far away. So this is something that's big. That is, we've been totally programmed. When you watch Star Wars, it takes them a long time to get from one world to another. Actually, not that bad. Star Wars isn't that bad, but like Star Trek, they have to warp for a very long time to go to the other side of the galaxy. It's just so, so big. And all of the sci-fi, they got rockets and it takes forever to get, even though they can go to other worlds, it still takes forever. And that's not the case. In fact, we went to other worlds, we went to other galaxies and we were back at the same, the same day for dinner. Um, we never slept on the ship. We didn't have to sleep on our spaceships. We, you could, we jumped instantly to other systems. And in fact, to other using the natural wormhole around Jupiter, we could access about 18 other galaxies and find wormholes in each galaxy and then go to other 18 more. So that's how space travel really is. And when you think about that, um, the amount of worlds that we could trade with and do big conduct business with was not in the hundreds. It was not in the thousands. It was in the billions yeah. of, of sentient species, different species that we never even heard of that are, that belong to other groups like the Orion group that are far, very far away. They may have heard of us or may not. And we were our mission, our ship's mission that I worked on the last few years I was up there as a cargo engineer you know, I was a, I was in maintenance. I was in ship maintenance on a lesser, on an older antiquated ship for like eight years. And I didn't know what was going on. I mean, really, you couldn't feel the thing moving from, you know, when it started or left, you couldn't feel it. And we were just locked downstairs and did maintenance. So I had no idea what was going on for most of the time. The last few years, I got promoted to cargo engineer. I sat in on mission briefings and I was able to look out the window. I was able to go get lunch. I had, I got uh, a small paycheck and I was able to go around the series colony. I could buy a train ticket and, you know, go to the restaurant and stuff. So I had a measure, measure of, of freedom, even though I was technically, I was still a slave. Um, but during that time, we went to many different, sometimes we went to four or five different star systems a day, different planets and traded. And our mission was, not to explore or boldly go. Our mission was to acquire technology by any means necessary to trade goods for tech, to trade tech for tech, or to just steal it. And it was told that was the, they were after higher technology more than anything and all the colonies. So there are like a couple hundred or hundred or so colonies in our solar system from earth. And now they're blended with other ETs. Like they move out into a body on their, you know, Mars Colony Corp, for instance, Ceres Colony Corp. There's there's the stations around Saturn, around Jupiter, you know, out and out in the asteroid belt, in the Kuiper belt. There are colonies of people that have went and just built a can or whatever it is, burrowed into a into a mountain in space, a rock the size of a mountain, and made a base. And so they're a colony there. And so there are hundreds of those in our solar system, and they are all competing to be the most technologically advanced. Like that's the name of the game. Damn. I mean, dude, cause now I'm sitting here thinking, great. It's a bunch of assholes running around just being bullies in the, in the galaxy here representing earthlings. No wonder the reptilians are such assholes to us, you know? I mean, and well, also it sounds, it sounds weird that they would recruit people from earth. If they, if they have like this huge infrastructure, which is what it sounds like. I mean, if you're multiplying forces and this has been going on for a very long time, then it seems like that, you know, and with the speed of technology, with how they can quickly reproduce things with cloning technology, which they probably utilize, right? So you'd think they would just grow people instead of risking taking people from earth. Is there an so, issue with the clones versus humans? Right. So there you 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 just tapped on something very profound and you were just talking about earlier um 
you know, what did you say about quantum reality? That reality isn't what we think it is. Yeah. Consensus reality. It's probably not consensus reality. Yeah, it's yeah. nothing like what we think it is. And in fact, you know, we, I mean, what do you think, what do you think the value is of one person Yeah, in this, the, is- in the grand scheme of the universe? What is the value of one person? Because it might sound like it's not much. And, you know, you, I, right now I can grab any teenager from anywhere in America and they're pretty depressed. They're just like, eh, you know what I mean? Like very few of them are very happy and motivated. There's a lot of depression. And even in their young twenties, the kids really don't feel if they really knew what they really were, that their consciousness was the most valuable thing ever, that they were the most capable thing ever. And that they could, they could manipulate reality to do whatever, to do literally achieve and do whatever they wanted and connect with their higher self. If they knew how powerful they really were, their life would change, but we've been, they, you know what I mean? Like they program that against us. Look at what's, I mean, put on TV, any, put on any kind of media and you're going to see violence and gore and it's going to make you feel shut down. It's, you're, it's going to put your subconscious into a, like a, like a panic yeah. mode. But the reality is, is that you, like you said, with clothing, the, the, the labor force up there, people are amazing. And the earth is a more of a depot than anything. Other ETs like us to come and be a labor force. And, you know, I've, I hear it all the time in Silicon Valley. I hear, you know, Tony, we know you're lying because they would just build robots. And I said, it wasn't, so they didn't say they weren't hawkish like that. The question, they posed the question, like, why not robots? Why you guys? And my answer is easy. It's because last year you used uh, about the electrical, you, your body, everything you did for the whole year, the amount of energy and electricity that you expended could power a 500 watt light bulb for less than 24 hours. Damn. So what a light bulb burns in 24 hours is what you did was what you burnt all of last year. And I like to think you got a lot done. Oh yeah. We are are by far the most talented, most capable and most energy efficient robot that ever could live. We are programmable. What's missing from that is that we are completely programmable. Mind control is real. We are programmed. You're programmed to laugh at this when I say that I was on a UFO, that I worked on a UFO for 12 years. Your very first instinct, even if you believe it, you still have a you still have a tinge of a, I, eh, awesome. I don't know. I think you totally Because you've it. been programmed. Awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah. But you get what I'm saying, though. You, 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 you know, um, we are programmed and we are awesome. People are awesome. And we're not at the top of where the other lie is that we're at the top of the food. We're at the top of the food chain. We're the best. That's it. We're the smartest and that's it. all the animals in nature. They stop here. And man, we, so we don't really aspire to be better than what we are. In fact, we piss it away. We totally piss away what we are because that's it. We don't have anything to look forward to. Here's what we have to look forward to. You need to get a couple billion dollars so that you can have expensive everything. That's really the carrot that dangles in front of us. It's not that your spirit is going to go on and you're going to reincarnate possibly as something better as a humanoid that lives for thousands of years or as something even more beautiful than that, that has a psychic ability or something even more beautiful than that, that has the ability to travel without a ship that can teleport places by mentally or be able to mentally manipulate matter and turn things into other things. Like you can turn an apple into a, into a TV remote control with your mind. We don't know about that. So we don't even think about like that, but that's the reality. The the real reality universe is that our consciousness that we're made out of, that we've incarnated with that chose to be here, you know, our higher self, that consciousness is basically connected to the very fabric of all of the universe. We have dominion. Once we, once we reconcile and get rid of all the fear and all the other programming, we have complete control over it. And that's, that's kind of like the deal. So the ETs know this, 
and they can take people. So they can clone people, but it's kind of a vegetable. So they're using our consciousness. They're, what I believe what will happen to me was that I was taken and, you know, I was 10 years old and they put me on a table in a laboratory and they cloned me, but the clone was an idiot. So they took my consciousness out and put it into that clone. And then it lived for the 20 years and they, they have time travel. So people don't want to believe it, but to travel great distances in space, you can travel time as well. So space time is the same exact thing. So the wormhole technology also allows time travel. So they take that clone that goes 20 years, they cap it at 20 years. I was told because it was likely that it could have a mental problems afterwards when they put you back. They cap it at 20 years, they put it back 20 years and they kill the thing. And the consciousness just by default returns to its original host. And I wake, woke up on the table and with what happened? And they put me back. How many eat, how many, um, you know, contact stories are like, man, we saw the craft. There was some lights, the car shut off. And I don't know what happened after that. I felt weird. We both felt kind of weird afterwards. I still don't know what happened. Like that's the typical story because they're taking people for longer than five minutes. They have time travel doing all these things and they can put you right back in the same body at the same, same age and put you right back after they had you for 10, 15, 20 years and did whatever they wanted. So you, you get what I'm saying? Like this technology is, radical and you know it would change our life if we were if we had public access to it what would you pay you know what would you do to live an extra 20 years uh, and be put back into your body and, and then all of a sudden imagine if you're 20 years old and you got to live to your 40 and then get put back to 20 well but this How awesome is, it, it would be but the, here's the deal like i i like the way this is i kind of have an opinion or just an idea here that what's going on is perfect like in an organization in design and all that kind of stuff and it's just to facilitate the expansion of consciousness and all of its weird ways that it does that and so in my mind if i'm sitting here thinking that this is going to be altered in a way then i would like for it to be more of a natural one i think that would be pretty cool or some sort of space tech that's more organic I, i'd go for that but what's interesting to me about this is even with okay so let's say just for the audience's sake here 20 and back secret space program basically is hang on <coughs> okay our allergies out here in texas this day okay uh so basically it is to where uh you get abducted uh they basically take your body and there's different mechanisms in which this works and i'd, I'd like to go over w the one that you experienced which would Sounds like you did, so we'll just go back there. And basically, they uh, have you jacked, and you go on a spaceship, and you go do these awesome, super cool missions with flamethrowers and shit. Not in poor Tony's case here, but uh, most people do. And then they age regress you back 20 years, and then put you back in your body 5, 15 minutes around the window in which you were abducted originally from the original timeline. Now, a couple things to this. In my mind, if they're fucking with time travel, this is a timeline split thing now. Now you're talking about alternate timelines, and if this has happened pretty frequently, and recklessly, which is what probably the governments of the world would be doing with this shit, then it's probably got some inverse effects, right? The other thing would be that if you did go and you could... Now, it's brilliant what you said about, okay, so it's you and then your clone, 10-year-old you and dopey clone. I think of that movie, Multiplicity. Have you ever seen that? You know, where, no, no um, I don't think so. I haven't. Batman, Michael Keaton. Okay, it's it's silly. It's a fun movie. Don't you know? Don't uh, expect to get wisdom from it. But basically, spoiler alert: he clones himself, and as it goes, there's entropy, right? Cognitive entropy, and so they get dumber and dumber and dumber. And the last one's like licking pizza and wearing goggles and shit. And so that's what I pictured when you said your clone was a doy doy. And mm -hmm. so you you have this doy doy clone, and then your consciousness goes into that. That is the vehicle in which takes your consciousness now, the avatar, uh, and then goes off and does its mission and then comes back. What happens to your body while your consciousness is over here in the clone? So it's just sitting there for a matter of 15 to 30 minutes. 
it's only been 30 minutes. So the reason that I, the reason that I, I was led to believe cloning was what happened to me was because of the experience of it. So the way that I experienced it. So I don't, you know, it's like going in for surgery. I always, I say it all the time. I say, you know, if you go in for surgery on your spleen, that doesn't mean you know how to perform surgery on your, on a spleen. You have no idea what the hell just happened to you. Yeah, you just wake yeah, up, yeah. you're sore and your spleen is fixed. So it was kind of like that. That's, you know, I experienced it, it but I have no idea really uh, what they did. I think but it's a cool what, idea. I like it. Yeah. Like uh, conceptually, so, I like it. So what happened was I was taken, I woke up, I was taken out of my room in 1982 in April of, it had to be around April of 82. I lived in Michigan. I was taken to Southern Michigan and I was all with my gray ETs and reptilians. It's like short, four foot tall, three and a half, four foot tall reptilians. They carried me out of my bed. I was a flash of light and I woke up after dazed and after I'd been unconscious for a while, naked on a table in like a, in a surgical setting. And they were waiting on te genetic tests to see if I was compatible with their program. So that's the other thing is not everybody goes because the genetics matter. So however it is that there's, if, if there's an out of phase, like a dimensional thing or the time travel or the portal tech, something relies on a genetic marker. Some, not everybody can do it. So it can be, it can be very detrimental to people that don't have the genetics for it. They said that I had the genes to go once that I barely had the genes. They had, well, we had to wait. They took, they took like a, sample like out of my back of my head like a brain tissue sample and sent that off for the genetic testing they when the test came back and i was able to go they said we want to borrow your consciousness this is what they said this was a short reptilian spoke to me telepathically he had a sense of humor i could understand him as if it was english he was the equivalent of 25 years or so in his own age, in his whatever world he was from. He explained it to me that he had a wife and kid. And he went home to his he went home to his planet every day after working there at, in that base. And he said, uh, we need your consent because we want to borrow your consciousness to help us out and do some work. Yep. And I said, what? So what do you mean? For how long? He said 20 years. And I said, no, I can't do that. I, my mom and dad, I'm going to miss out on my sister. You know, they'll, my sister will grow up. I won't even know her. My mom and dad will miss me. I can't do that. He said, no, no, no. Listen, we have time travel. We're going to put you back exactly the same. This is a blessing to you. He's like, you are lucky to be chosen for this. You're, you're special. You're special. And he said all this, like, you, well, you're going to go back tomorrow morning and you'll be able to tell you, you may be able to tell your mom and dad what you did and you're going to live. You're going to be smarter. You're going to have 20 years more of experience on top of your life that would have already been short, you're going to, this is a blessing for you. Yeah. So, and he's like, trust me, you, you won't miss out on your mom and dad. You're going to wake up there tomorrow morning. We have time travel. And I thought it was first contact. I thought, man, then the next day on the news, we're going to have ETs. We're going to have spaceships and ETs just like, you know, Battlestar Galactica. I thought, you know, I thought this was it. The world was going to change. And I was happy. I was excited. I thought it was first contact. So I said, yes. Immediately they put me back on the table. They strapped me down and, and did a surgery. There was a needle that went into my test tested to see which one was my dominant eye. There was an eyeball test and they got my dominant eye and they put a needle syringe like in the tear duct. Bam. And I felt like I got, I saw stars like getting punched. If you ever, you know, the guys know what I'm talking about. Hopefully the girls listening don't know what I'm talking about. We get your bell God, rung. Yeah. God bless. But you know, if you get hit really hard, you see stars. And it was like that. It was that experience. It was like, I got punched. I woke up. In Southern California, in Inyo Kern, for the MK Ultra uh, type trauma-based mind control program, I had I barely could remember English. 
I had no memory of my mom or dad or what had just happened. I had complete amnesia as if I were a blank clone. Like they took me out and put me into a clone. I woke up and I had no memories. I had no memory and that entire. And for the next 20 years, I had no memories prior to that point. I did not remember my mom or dad or my sister that I lived with or my home that I came from. I would, when they, when there was a time when they gave me paper and crayons and I would always draw the house, the farmhouse. It was with the long driveway where I grew up. But uh, at the end of the 20 years, I had memories of the 20 years. I always wanted to go back to Peru. At the end, when they put me back, they put me through in a long, it was a weeks long process, other programming. And there was a process that they did and they put me in a machine and it felt like I got incinerated. It felt like, it felt like I got put in a, like a crematory. There was pain. I remember the pain, like, ah, and my body was being vaporized basically. And I woke up back in my 10 year old body on the moon in a base on the backside of the moon with a bunch of ETs on a table again. And I had no memory of the 20 years of on series, but I had the memories of my mom and dad and my sister back again. I went back to having all those memories. Do you get what I'm saying? It was like being taken taken out into a different body, lived 20 years. And then at the end, it was like they put me back and I had the original memory back. Yes. So that's what led me to, that's what led me to theorize that cloning was what they did. So and that's much, the only reason. So, so much here, dude. Awesome. By the way, absolutely awesome. Okay. So when, whenever you're describing this, what I'm thinking is, is kind of the avatar model, right? Let's say that, you know, the movie avatar, whatever they, they go, they change their consciousness into a bigger vehicle or avatar. Now this ties into what the reports of like the grays telling a couple of people when interviewed, uh, asked or whatever, uh, they, they've been reported as calling us vessels. And so maybe everything's a damn vessel, man. Maybe all of this is just like vehicles that you can just hop in, take the wheel over and drive, uh, you know, with this absence of consciousness. So another thing, uh, uh, the NPC conversation, we could probably put to the side, but I think that it ties in here if you go into the simulation theory and like personnel and all that kind of stuff. But what's interesting about this is, is if you think about that cloning is this way, now it seems more of a simulation idea whenever we're talking about this, because basically the memory only exists within that avatar. It doesn't follow its host back to its host, right? It's just the essence of you and you know math yeah. and shit, and that's what they put in there. And so it stays with the avatar and you could be anything. You know what I mean? They could have put you in a gray's body, right? They could have so put you in a reptilian's body. So at some point it did, because I do remember it. So do you, do you know what I'm saying? Like I did, I did collect, so I'm in me, the, the original me now. And in 2015, I did get all the memories. I had a breakthrough moment. I had an MRI scan. So it's important to, that's a common denominator between a lot of people that got memories back. Um, and then two weeks later, I found out about the 20 and back tech and I went, Oh my God, that's what happened. I had all these bleed through memories. You know, yeah. and uh, so at some point I did have access, even though, you know, like, like there's a backup, like, like there's a local set of like a hard drive in your body that remembers your brain. And then at, somewhere else, you know, in the ether, in the your soul, wherever that is, somewhere else, there's another copy of all your memories. And at a certain point, I got access to those. See, this is awesome. So and I'm I getting my head's going to explode. Think trying to explain, you know what I mean? Like trying yeah. to. Because it's so much, man. But I know somebody also, I know some great hypnotherapists, by the way, top-notch people that I highly recommend, if not pressure, just if you're if you're curious. Another thing, you know, that would be interesting is to hook you up with somebody I just recently had on, a good friend of mine, Rachel Horton White. She reads Akashic readings. And so this is maybe like the cloud. This is where your DNA is. And if your DNA did something, it's in there. So it's like a non-falsifiable sort of an etheric 
cloud, mm. right? Like we're talking about where those memories are stored. So of course you would have access to it. It's so, just interesting that if they built that into the model, right, that it stayed with the clone. I'm sure they're working on it. It just makes me feel that the tech is a little clunky. That's all. So there were some other things like in my, like I wasn't the norm. I wasn't somebody that in, in these program in this program, this technique, I wasn't the normal person. Hmm. People are groomed for these programs. People are genetically kind of uh, groomed, you know, the, I, for lack of a better word. Like these programs know who, like their generation, because that's the other thing is people always ask, why did they even bother to put you back? Why do they bother? It's a great question. Right? I mean, it's the so question, the, right? Right. So here's here, here's a couple of things. So one number one, there's the theory that, you know, you are a consciousness that chooses to incarnate for your own growth into different lives. Yes. And if the world was getting pilfered by millions of people being taken and killed, you would choose to not incarnate here. So they keep the system going like they're they're It's a parasitic right. technology. They're parasiting on consciousness. OK, for one, uh, for two, you don't cut down the apple tree. You don't pick right. an apple and chop the tree down. You put them back and you'll wait for more apples to come because now you know that their children are compatible to your technology if it's based on genetics. And in fact, you can manipulate them to have kids with other people that you know are compatible with your program as well. So there, there's a great deal. There may be a great deal. We think it's free will and all this stuff. There's a great deal of manipulation on all of us. Let's face it. Kids nowadays, like there was a time a few years ago when they talked all the kids, the little girls into cutting themselves with their app, with their, with their op, what is that called? The, the iPod. They were watching apps and videos and all these girls, I had daughters, they were cutting themselves. Like, what are you doing? I've never, we never did that. I was depressed. My, my generation, you know what I'm saying? We grew up in the 70s and 80s. We were depressed as shit. We didn't even have the internet, but we never cut ourselves. Nobody was into that. And all of a sudden they did this. They were testing the response on the influence. They can literally influence people to do things like mutilate themselves. And that's what's going on. So we, they, if you think that they can't convince you to fall in love with somebody that you don't really like that much because you're a genetic match on their on their Doc, on their documents then think again because this is something totally in the in their wheelhouse and they're you know what i mean they can spawn kids that are perfectly compatible and there i've heard of people i've worked with people so people get a hold of me all the time thousands of people will come forward and said they have similar memories some of them have great recall but most people don't want to talk about it they have a profession they have a family there's a great cost to speaking publicly about it and a lot of them feel like they've been you know prenatally manipulated like their mom can remember while she was pregnant being taken and there's always you know the i don't want to say always but a high high percentage of them have military uncle was in the air force yep. dad was in the yep. cia yep. grandpa was in the navy it's always navy navy cia really most of the time and so these are people that are on the radar this if you have access to this program you start with the people that are standing right next to you and let's check your dna and see if you can do it okay what how about your kid Let's take your kid. They won't even know what happened. So we'll just take them and put them back. And so that was the, and also this is the single most important thing. And the, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to call it pride. I'm not, you know what I mean? I'm proud of it, but I don't want to call it pride, but this is the, the kind of the rock I die on is that the battle cry that I got They They, when I was, when I was in space, I was operated on without anesthetic several times. They took me and manipulated, they modified me for the job. They either put implants or fucking whatever they did. There were times that I was taken and I was 
kind of zonked out, but still conscious. And they opened me up and were operating on me. And I was telepathically saying, what are you doing? Well, how can you do this to me? I was in so much great pain. How can you do this? And they were grays. They were tall, gray, like whitish gray ETs. And the answer I got was that you're not going to remember it anyway. So we're not going to waste it. We're not going to waste bother to put you out because you're not going to remember it. When we put you back, you're not going to remember anything. And then there were times when I was enslaved. I was, I was abused. I was beaten. I was raped. And the same answer I got all the time was that you're not going to remember it. You won't remember this. Don't worry about it. It's never happened. So that's what I'm proud of. What I'm saying is I did remember and I made a book about it. And so that dashes all of, if that's their law, then it dashes that entire logical argument to pieces. You know, one of us little stupid humans defeated their memory erasing process and did remember. And that's what I'm doing. That's why I'm talking about all this. That's the, basically the whole nutshell. Fuck. Dude. Awesome. Uh, Sorry, we're on, we're on fire tonight, no, man. No, you are on fucking fire for sure, dude. Uh, first of all, thank you for your service. Uh, secondly, uh, it <laughs> is pretty fucked up, and to think about that all of those people out there are just disposable people. Now, again, to the NPC part of the conversation, because I actually find it uh, dovetails quite nicely here, uh, then those would be just vehicles. They'd just be uninhabited, you know, f- filler people to fill this experience, and so they're not tapped into by folks like us. Now, something that'll really bake your noodle on this, man, that I'm thinking about as you're talking about this, I think just you know, uh, throw consciousness around like it's, uh, like, like toilet paper, just passing it out. Then you, what we're experiencing right here could be a 20 and back slavery program. We could just be energy harvesting, you know, a prison sentence out here, uh, in this life experiencing this thing. And then we won't remember this and then trip back. And then they could do this at infinitum. They could just pass our consciousness around to these different vehicles and we just experience whatever the hell they want right now. It's like working for corporate America and shit. You know what I mean? Mm. So it's like, it's like we're a resource at that level. You know, I'd like to think on a higher level and I'm with you with like the chosen that you get to choose, you know, kind of a thing like choose your own adventure and your adventure turned out to be this 20 and back shit. You just take the wrong box. You check the shitty version of it, not the cool one with lasers and shit. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it seems like if this is possible at a level, then we're all consciousness. We all return to source, right? But if there is some sort of trippy technology here that's figured out how to harvest souls, like what the Archons talk about, like with the moon trap, with the soul traps and all that, then this terrifies the shit out of me. Honestly, the prison planet idea would be the worst hell I could think of because you can never get out of it. And so tell me that's not what's going on, Tony Rodriguez. So, right. So the first book that I wrote was a, is it is a linear account, and it's meant for somebody that has no idea what I'm talking about. So the series Colony Cavalier book is literally, it's just the accounts. What happened to me when I was taken and it's quick and it's 20 years fit into, you know, 480 pages. So that's not easy. So it's quick. It bounces. It goes really fast. And everybody, I get a lot of people like, man, I wish you would have talked more about this or that. The second book. So they, they opened doors in me during some of the, the early program that I was in the Peru program. That should not have been open. There were things that I experienced that I should not have experienced that people don't experience. And so I think that's what led to me remembering it. It's what led to me to have the ability to remember later on, you know, like Mm. there was, I was exposed, like I was not somebody that was taken in the program and meant to be a scientist. Right. I was not taken in the program and meant to be a soldier. I was taken in the program and they were like, see what you can do with them. And so I was trained to different things. And because of that, the, they didn't really keep track of where they got me from and they kept training me for new techs, whatever. The second book 
talks more about what happened to me like when i was under when i was out of body in the, in peru in the tech and, I, and, we, and we'll save time i don't want to tell the whole you know what i mean talk about it now because it'll kill a big chunk of the show okay. but basically the back to the soul trap thing i don't believe it's real i don't believe that there's a soul trap i believe some people may get trapped or i believe that some people may allow themselves to be trapped for yeah, a choice, period right? of time so like i said your consciousness <sighs> is actually you're much bigger on the other side than you think you are. So, and when you talk about the the NPC thing, so I don't believe in NPCs net, per se either. I believe that people have a different level of awareness that your consciousness, I call it awareness. You can call it what you want, soul, chi, consciousness, whatever you want to call it. It's Randy Kramer called it superfluid consciousness. That's what they yeah. call it. Super, superfluid consciousness. It's a cool name Basically, for a band. It's, yeah. Yeah. Right on. Uh, <laughs> We have different levels of it. Some people are more, more people, some people are more aware than others. So everybody is aware. We're all made of the same stuff. Some people have, they, you have the awareness to live the life that you need to live for your growth. Or some people aren't here to grow. They're here to help. Some people aren't, are here to grow. So you have the amount of awareness that's possible, that's necessary. And that's it. So some people are super aware because they're super achievers, like everything they do, they can master. Some people are very masterful at things. They're virtuosos. They have a great deal of awareness, but you know, and that that's who is. So when you're talking about splitting the awareness to fuel a clone, they take somebody that's very aware. So they have more to power a clone. They take somebody that's not very aware. Like you said, like an NPC, this is somebody that doesn't really care about anything. They don't really do it because it's less of the quantum fluid superfluid quantum consciousness it's like it's less of that powering them and that's what you would call like an npc because it's really not a ton of con because consciousness is basically all one thing yeah and it's source right so I, I love before it. We, i don't want to get super woo here or get into the religious woo, end of it, bro you get your the, ass into woo the, Go for the it. buddhists that's exactly what they you know the buddhists don't want to kill uh, a mosquito because it's conscious it's you because literally it's you. Yeah. So, and then when you talk about like law of one, I'm a big fan of law of one, the right. And the thing, the, the most powerful line to me in the law of one, the most powerful line is that the total number of minds in the universe is one. So there's only one mind and it's, so because of it, it's dreaming about all these, all these lives and all these experiences as a bug, as a butterfly, as a rep, as a iguana, as a bird, as a person, as a rock, as a mountain, as a sky, you know, this is all one, it's one mind that wants to experience all these things to grow and in fact, to grow, to be a better mind. And so that's what we really are. And it falls in line with what this phenomenon and these technologies that we're talking about and new technologies that are coming out, like manifesting things like like going in like the monroe institute going out of body and man quantum hologram uh manipulation these are all things that are all over tiktok now and they're being released the cia document the gateway program these are all things that caesar said the isaac benthoff's uh stalking the wild pendulum is the science behind it the you know from the 70s where they took quantum consciousness and how it all is tied into one the science behind it is real and it's all the same thing. These all it's all marrying together and the ET phenomenon. And the ETs are just smart, smarter than us. And they've been researching it openly for a long time. So they're locking us down here. They're closing a lid on the consciousness growing and then using it for themselves, you know, and then using it. 
yeah, that's the part right there. The part of like that we're limited or there's a ceiling up there, you know, uh, and, you know, because you went to the moon and shit, I guess we'll save the flat earth conversation for another episode. But, you know, it's like there's this ceiling up there energetically, like the Van Allen radiation belts or something. And that's where all of our loosh is being harvested from. And this idea of like the moon being a soul trap that recycles you here, but maybe like consciousness signed up for that. Like so, you said, I agree with this. And one uh, thing that what you said earlier that made me feel better is when they said you have to tell us it's okay because that's really what I stand on is this autonomy and um, that's what I really stand on so it was nice hearing you say that and also thank you for relieving me and reminding me of what I needed to hear already which is what I already knew unity consciousness we're all one it's all going to work out it's one of those things that just it's nice to hear it like you need to hear your pretty every now and then you know what I mean I just need to be reminded uh, from a different angle not just your own angle yeah I I appreciate it so please sir it's also it's the nutshell of all religion you know, it's really is the nutshell. They just kind of word, they change the word around. So people is confusing. Yeah, they make it controlling. Yeah. That's where mm-hmm. it diverges. Yeah. But the unity so, consciousness right on board, dude. The soul trap thing is, so I get asked all the time. So, and one big, I did a talk in the secret space where I talk and uh, conference in last May. And one of the questions I got packed, packed house, like it was a really good crowd and everything. And they were like, how do we stop our kids from being taken? Like you were. What do we do? How can you, can you stop it? Can you stop them from taking your kid? You know, think about that. Cause you can't. When so when in- people talk about being taken by benevolent ETs, like I was last night, I was taken by benevolent ETs and I was on their ship and they did this and that and blah, blah, blah. There's no benevolent. No, that's not benev- benevolence. A benevolent ET encounter would be them knocking at your front door and saying, would you like to come with us? That's benevolent. Like that's respect. uh, You know what I mean? Sovereignty. Yeah. They're coming into your bed in the middle of the night and taking your kid. It's literally our highest crime. I'm with you. So there is no benevolent contact at that point. But what I said is, you know, you can't. The thing you can do is teach your child to say no, to not consent to everything because kids are taught to consent. Yes. Shut up and consent. Eat yep. your food yep. or else consent. And you need to teach teach your children to have some sovereignty and to be able to say, no, I do not consent. Because that's a universal law, because that's a big thing, man. Huge. Like fear is consent. When you're when you sit and you're afraid, and that's the animal kingdom's uh, consent is when they're afraid of the predator getting it. They're afraid they get more afraid and they freeze and the predator eats it. So if they're not afraid and they go, no, I don't think so. And run away, they tend to get away. So fear is consent and teach your children to not be afraid of these things. You know, like if they find themselves in that situation, we need to borrow you for uh, 20 years, borrow your consciousness to help us out. Teach your child to say no in that point. Even if he doesn't know what he's doing, just say no, man. That's a good point because they're definitely going to get jacked like you did because all you did was mentally bully somebody who's psychic that asked you to do it. And then they were upset and it happened to be Illuminati's kid. I mean, it's like, and then you get ganked up. But, you know, what's interesting about this is that the Greys and Reptilians and everybody's in on it, you know, and this, there's just kind of like this collusion that's going on, which I would understand, you know, from the point of our leaders, if you want to call them that, if they're not clones and reptilian shapeshifters or skinwalkers or just all of it gin or something like that, then yeah, they'd be pretty terrified and be pretty, pretty, pretty willing to bend the knee if some terrifying, you know, lizard turd walked up and said, Hey, we're either going to eat you or we're going to eat a bunch of people, you know, whoever's, you know, so help us run yeah. this thing. And so it seems like just a big collusion type of a deal. Hmm. Um, you know, the world is changing. So we're on the verge of big changes, obviously. You know, you don't got to be 
uh, genius to know that the world isn't what it used to be even a few years ago. We're in 2022. In 2019, the world was completely different than what it is, you know, and um, it's going to keep changing at that rate. Like there's a giant war going on. They're talking about nuclear war for the first time since I was like two, 10 years old. Like the world is changing and we're they're working up to disclosing. And we're at that point where they have to tell us the truth because otherwise we're going to find out on our own. People, we're to the point now where, you know, you can have the tools in your garage to build something that can discover this reality. Yes, yes. You know, like people, the other thing, like I want to revisit, I got to ask you about the flat earth deal, man. Like, I hope you That's don't entertain fun. that. It's fun. It's a fun. Well, here's the, uh, we can absolutely talk about it if you'd like. Uh, again, back to kind of quantum physics, how we view this reality, how perception really shapes the environment around us. I truly do feel after talking to a lot of people, after a lot of critical thinking, uh, think that if you feel that the earth is round and you get on a rocket or you're in a secret space program, then boom, you get to, you get that experience. And that's what happens, right? In more of a realm simulation Mm. type of a way. If you feel and resonate at the frequency that this earth is flat and there's an, you know, like me, what I like is the idea of, I do not plant my flag. I have no idea and I don't care. I think it's way more fun to talk about the ideas and possibilities. I don't need to stand on a ball or flat or it to be one or the other for me to be comfortable. So with all of that in mind, I think the expansive, like, you know, um, infinite landmass type thing, that realm is the coolest to me. I don't think this dome idea, you know, maybe an energetic one to kind of keep us monkeys at bay, uh, but is, is accessible. Um, but don't necessarily, again, think that this isn't just a huge realm or a big place because... Honestly, we live in a place where uh, duality exists, right? These two different ideas. Now, you can do this on small scales. You can Google, are eggs bad for me? And you're going to get every, you're going to get the number one doctor, won all the awards, did everything right, uh, that says absolutely eggs are bad for you. Do not do it. And then you're going to see another article or Google it the other way. Number one doctor, same exact accreditation that says absolutely not. Eggs are great for you. Eat them every day. On small scales, we don't really think about that stuff. But on large scales, maybe that's exactly how this place works. So I just think it's an option for people. So, so, if so are eggs there, bad or good? And the answer is yes. Uh, the answer is if you believe yeah. that, then absolutely. You embody so, that with energy. Saying, so I would say this. So I'm not a flat earth person. And I feel that it's a dissipation because they saw people like me coming forward. They saw the the uh, secret space program and the reality of ETs starting to really like they had they had they had, they had uh, their hands on it. And it got so much pressure that it started to let out people with witnesses. And like, now we have YouTube, like there were, there were still thousands and thousands of people that had experience with ETs, but they didn't have YouTube to go on and tell everybody about it back in the eighties or in the sixties or in the fifties, all it's been going on all along. So now they do, and they saw it coming. So they returned to the old, the flat earth was in, you know, the flat earth was to stop people from exploring to the new worlds because they were had silver mines in South America. They were getting silver and getting rich off of it. So they were like, Oh, the world's flat. Don't, don't sail out there and discover all the rubies in Greenland because they were pocketing it for themselves. So they kept everybody in a fence. It was just a rumor. So what I'm saying is they did that again and they're dissipating the information. So the same flat earth people to me know that something's wrong. They know that the, they know that the official narrative that we've been given is wrong. Right. Right. Everybody kind of knows it to a tinge, except for some people that are lining up to do whatever. I caught myself. You you can say it if you'd like. You you're welcome to. I caught myself. Go no, ahead. I don't want to insult it'll, anybody. Really. So people YouTube, are very smart on both sides of the coin. So yeah. what I'm saying is like flat earth people are not 
you know, I do say it publicly sometimes that I feel it's an IQ test, but it's just a, it's a, it's a knowledge base of it. So, but I, I, I think that people that are flat earth people, there's some legitimately, they know something's wrong and they're, inter, they're, they're entertaining something new to try to solve the problem. And so they're, and, and the flat earth videos are amazing Yeah, at the way that they sell it. So they're spending big money on this. This isn't, these aren't amateurs that are selling you this stuff. They leave out a few geeky details, but this is like high tech, um, psycho, psycho, uh, technology this is a like these guys are high tech these videos are not just a guy putting it together with a camera these are very high tech very uh mind mind controlish videos very effective because i watched someone and i went whoa but the, here's the deal because i remembered living in space and going out among the stars i was always into astronomy i always had my own telescope i put eyes on you know from my backyard you can see saturn you can see the moons the rings you can see jupiter and i've been to australia where all the stars are upside down and i we have zoom so i talk to people regularly in europe and australia and asia and in california and the sun comes up and down in different times and we all experience this whether we believe it or not the sun and the stars still are the same and there's something called parallax so it's not a screen in the sky because two telescopes one in california and one in michigan on the same on the same object the same way that we judge distance with our two eyes can judge the distance of separate objects in the cosmos so we can look at the moon and know how far away it is and you don't need to be a scientist like you can just google this and do it yourself you do 300 bucks of a telescope and you can do all this so people that are sold to the flat earth thing are completely ignorant of astronomy that's how i feel and i always tell people like when they when they get heated because they immediately get defensive and heated i'm like look don't just go join an astronomy club. I'm telling you, if you have a girlfriend, it's the best date. If you go to the local astronomy, if you live in city, like college has an astronomy department, they'll have an astronomy night, like a public night. It's the best date you'll ever take your girlfriend to you. It's so romantic. And you go there and you can look at star clusters and, and nebula and all that stuff is out there. Yeah. The space is real. It's up there. And with the knowledge of it, you can actually unpack that we're on a sphere. So that's, that's my two cents. I get what you're yeah. saying about the thing, but you know, we're, we, when, when I look through a telescope and believe what I'm looking at, and then you walk up behind me and look at it, you see the same exact thing. And I've been in astronomy. Like I, I was an amateur at the university of Hawaii and I was involved in some telescope projects. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. some, and I've looked through some really big telescopes and astronomy dashes flat earth to pieces. And so I would, I would say, you know what I mean? If you're, if you're searching for the truth, don't take my word for it, but let your search be through the joyous and wonderful thing, uh, subject of astronomy. It's beautiful to go look through things in the telescope and get your head around that. And, uh, you know, it, it doesn't help. It doesn't hurt to like, like I said, it's an absolutely romantic date. It's a oh, great yeah. date to join a star club. Oh, it's bad. We live out here in the country, man. We have a barn. I built a huge uh, porch on the back of it uncovered just so that we could go out in the middle of the field and like look up at stars and shit. It's, it's awesome, mm -hmm. man. So really the thing about it is, is like to exactly what you said about the uh, people who were deterred from it being uh, going out and exploring because of the silver, they were told that it was flat. I think an argument could be made that it's really more of an expansive realm, like I said, and that the physics could still work that way, appear that way, and that they tell you it's a 3D ball, but we don't have the technology to go anywhere because of the same reasons, because there's extra land out here. There's silver mines out there, and we can't so let I the also, monkeys run around. I did a... Uh... I did a little experiment. So, cause like I said, some people are like passionate and oh, that, like I, it immediately I just think it's gets, cool. 
yeah. it immediately gets um, angry, you know, angry. And so I've always like, even in my, so, I mean, if you listen to my story that I'm telling people, it's easy to say, you know, I've had people that are skeptical, right. And I'm always like, man, I'd love to have you come on the show. And I'd love to have a skeptic come on the show and kind of just cross examine me, but in a friendly way, you know, but most skeptics are like, they go immediately to, you know, you should get beat up. I'm going to beat you up. You're full of crap. Stupid. Right. And so the flat earth debate kind of goes in that realm, but here, here's one thing that another flat earth thing that I did, because um, after a heated, witnessing a heated debate, I was asked by a friend, like, um, how can we prove this? And you can use Priceline. You can use a map of the world, Google Earth, and you can use Priceline because the flat earth map doesn't work with the flight times. So on a flat earth map to fly from Argentina, for instance, to Maritus or um, what is that island, uh, like Rodrigues Island, and then it's, it's like... Uh, Madagascar, for instance, okay. to fly that distance on the flat earth map is very long. But when you look on Priceline, you can see the flight is only, you know, six hours. Right. So because the world is a globe, because the flights are different. I've got a I've got a picture that I did. I actually did that and said it. So like to, on see, flat and- earth, you shouldn't be able to fly from Japan to uh, uh, California, for instance, or wherever it is. You, you can't fly to the other side. But in fact, there are flights every day that are going right there. So the word it's, it is a globe and there, there are flights going all over it right now. And you can buy tickets. You can literally go right now and buy tickets. And if it's a four hour flight, but on the flat earth map, they, and they say that the, it's round, but on the map, it still doesn't work out when you look at the, when you measure the flight times and then you go on the line and look at your flight tickets, that there are people on the flight as we speak with the clock that, you know what I'm saying? Like the times don't work out. It just doesn't work. It's, it, it supports the globe theory. Here's, here's what I love about this because I could have somebody on David Weiss, for instance, and he would tell you that because of Flight Pass, that's one of the reasons he became such a diehard flat earther. And here's what I'm smiling about, by the way, is I got this shit eating grin on my face because it's further kind of reinforcing this is eggs, man. The flight paths for flat earth versus round earth, from your perception, eggs are great and those don't make sense. From his perception, eggs are bad and those do make sense and this other thing doesn't make sense from the same mechanism. See what I mean? Isn't this fascinating? Like, you can really look at data that's out there that's measurable and get two completely different ideas off of it. Now, what I like is that you went to fucking space, dude. I think that's awesome. Like, I think it's great. It, again, doesn't need to be real for everyone for it to have been real for you. I know that's a really trippy idea and I'm still kind of working on it, but that's kind of where I've been just simply looking at this is true over here. Okay. And this is true over here, but they're completely diametrically opposed. It's interesting to me. It's just an observation I'm playing with. Again, I don't plant my flag. So I tell you what, we normally wrap these things up at about this time, but I definitely want to hear about your moon story and then I'm going to invite you back on very very soon for us to do another one of these because you've just been badass this is a banger absolute banger Tony Rodriguez Thanks. so tell us about the moon man um, super f- uh, I want to know what the moon's like so tell us about it well I went to the back of the moon on several occasions and there were underground you know the the hangar bays are underground there was a base uh, there was a trapezoid it, Niera Isley is somebody who also experienced the same kind of program that I did. And she went uh, right around the same timeline to a trapezoid shaped base on the back of the moon. And it, it was it hollow? new. Excuse me. Is it hollow? Like Alex Boyer's work? Yeah. Was so, it brought here? Right. So um, there were, there were deeper levels to it. Like the, it was, there were volcanic caverns that went down to, to deeper levels. Like the base keeps going down into it. So I really, 
the inner, the actual lower part of the moon was highly classified and is the realm of ETs. No humans are allowed. So there's a jurisdiction there of when you go deep into the moon. So they really don't know it. Like, like even the military that was in the base didn't know, or if they did, it was highly classified. It's classified. And because there are ETs down there, like it's a really high, there was one mission where we went and we, whatever it's in the book, you know, it's like, it's the Chicago chapter in the book, but there was a mission. We went there and we volunteered. It was a high probability of, you know, being killed. And so we went, we volunteered for it. And I, I was a slave. So I volunteered because a, I hated my life. I was suicidal and B there was the opportunity for promotion. And so I did. And I volunteered, we went there, we went to a lower part of the moon that was highly classified that very few people and they had access what it was they had a, their own portal like a like imagine like a star trek transporter room but it was a portal and they said that it it took a great amount of power and that's why we had to go to the moon and they didn't have one on series because the series colony kind of had power problems um you know they had free energy but they were trading with et's you know, the equipment for free energy and to run it like they had built so much infrastructure that they couldn't really drain the power to make their own portal system. Anyhow, we went to the moon and the inner of the moon, there's a power source there. That's like unlimited, like very powerful, Um, you know, like a high amount of power output. Like the moon is one of the highest tech things in our solar system and but in terms of power output. And so we went there and they had a room and then we portaled down to the earth and then did our mission and portaled back. And, um, but that was in a lower, kind of a lower level of the moon. But I didn't really go, you know, I didn't have access to, to the information, you know, like the, like the, the map of the moon that they had, you know, I was told to go here, fall eyes down, you know, eyes on your shoes and go and uh, follow us and you go down hall and it's not very high tech looking. It's like, it's like going through a cheesy um, panel walled um, apartment building, like a crappy building on the inside. It's not, it's they not didn't sexy. even make it look cool and futuristic with like laser lights and shit. No, well, the part, the trend. So when I got down to that, part, when we actually got to the part where that portal, that room was, it was, it was made out of stone. The walls were everything. There were two, there were two big black like slabs that the portal appeared on that were, would shield from radiation. But they said that they had a power output that came in from elsewhere that created that. And behind that, there was a wall that could turn. They, we were standing in a room. There's guys with a, with a flat uh, rounded, like a computer, like a big desk. That was their computer that they worked on, like two guys that were text. And they said, okay, we're powering up, hang on a minute. And they were programming it in. And they said, okay, look there. And you go up these steps and the wall came clear and you could see the room. There was like a stage and two and some steps going up to it. And then you walked on a catwalk into the portal. Like you didn't stand there and beam out. You had to walk into the portal. Like a Stargate. And yeah, it was a ball. Uh, and then it would look like really? a green light. It looked like a ball, like a, like a beach ball sized green light. And when you got close to it, as soon as I got up to about three feet away from it, I could see the destination. Like I could see the door handle. I appeared in a, in a, in a staircase in a building in a high rise building was, you know, like in a, in the stair stairwell. Yeah. And that's where I appeared. But right when I got up close to it, I could see the door handle of the door that went out on, Oh, there's a, and then boom, I was there and disoriented. I went, Whoa. And then there's the door handle. And it was like, it was immediately there. Like I portaled to it. That was there where they could see into the future. And they saw that I was, there was a probability that I was going to remember. I was going to retain my memories 
And so they put me through another round of trauma-based uh, mind control, like, like programming so that I would not remember. And they were plugging me into a chronovisor and they had to get the problem. It's not a definite future. It's like probable futures. Right. And they had to get it down under a percentage in order to put me back. And they took me to a corner office for another round of programming. And from there, I would look out the window and I could see the surface of the moon. It was nighttime. They said the sun was going to come up in like, I don't know, 18 hours or something like that, that the sun did come around on the backside, but you know, it was on its own weird. He told me the schedule. It was, didn't make sense to me. Hmm. Um, but it was dark and there were mountains in the background. Like we were in a, we were in a, like a, like a basin of a crater and you could see the, the, the mountains around the background. Damn. But, um, What's it was up not the, enjoyable. What's up with the gravity? Is it, is it like the same or do they alter? Is it like lighter or whatever? Uh, or did they this, alter it in the, in the base? So there's some guys right now. Um, I don't know if I want to say the name of the company. Um, but they are have successfully manipulated gravity in a laboratory environment. Now they're in New Jersey, and by by uh, by saying that, I mean that they've done it like one ten thousandth of a gram Damn. of weight that they've moved. You know, they have a machine that can read gravity. You know, like a weight. Uh, you know, like a scale, and then they have a Faraday room, and they put it in. They bombard it with. Uh, you know, they have, and they've been able to manipulate gravity with. Um, uh high high powered electromagnetic uh distortion whatever but it manipulate gravity so i'm working with them because i saw the innards of the artificial gravity plate the grav mat the grav plating that we had artificial so the moon the base had artificial gravity was about 1g there are ets that that so the to, the bigger ets are from smaller worlds so they grow taller because they're in less gravity and the the shorter ets are from bigger worlds that has more gravity. So they're much stronger, but they're stockier. They're like, you know, they're thicker and they're short. So because they're from a planet with bigger gravity. So um, they had the ability, the, the flooring that they install has a beam, have beams of, of whatever it is, electromagnetics or whatever, whatever it is that of artificial gravity. And certain ETs can wear a, a you know, a device on them, like a piece of a bracelet or a, or a medallion that lets the floor know what their gravity is and it follows them where they go. So a light, so we could be standing in the same room like, and I would be at my natural gravity and an ET that has lesser gravity was like they were at home and we could too. And this is how it worked on the ships and how it worked on Sirius because Sirius is a uh, very small dwarf planet had very had microgravity and there were places where they had they shut the gravity off like they run the flooring around and they have artwork they have they shoot you know it's like a like a imagine like a big uh, fish tank and then they shoot water into it and it's floating there and then they turn the gravity on and it falls and then they shoot water fire balls of fire and they shoot things in they have That's art awesome they had artwork all over like that on on series that was like that in in low gravity microgravity areas uh, I did work in the mines one day and that they have a mining, the mining system was based on like ultrasonics with a laser that aimed it and it would break apart the, the stunt, the, the, you know, the inside of the tunnel, the rock the it would break it apart. And the material was in microgravity and they'd go in with vacuums and vacuum it out. And the big stuff, they would, they would clear it out and then they would install the floor in farther and you'd move the whole operation up and it would keep tunneling. And that's how they wow. did that. But, but it was very dusty in, in the microgravity, like it filled up with dust. So they vacuumed it clear is how they did that. And they had like a, like a 
big system. They they put um, they put zip walls of plastic, like thick plastic, up around the, and then they would mine it out, and that would hold the dust. They'd vacuum all that air out and filter it, and then after it settled, then they would install the gravity plating farther, and then do it again. And that's how they were mining there to look for water and to make new places to build infrastructure. There was, um, pro, you know, real estate was at a premium there. Damn. Yeah. And you know, you would think that they would have like a vacuum that was basically like a portal to another dimension or something. Cause if you're doing that much clearing underground on the moon, you there's only so much place to take that material and you can't just pile it up, up on a crater up there. People will notice it. Right. And so, well, uh, uh, do they just they zip had, it out somewhere? Well, they had the ability to turn it into something else. Oh, like they had the cool. ability to affect things on them. And like we had, we had uh, replicator technology, like, like the food was replicated. Imagine a microwave where you take with a, imagine a microwave with a bunch of microwave quality, like cups, like those little bowls, like a little instant, bowl, an empty bowl with holes in the lid. You put the lid on it and you put it inside the microwave and you had one of six button. You put the button and five minutes later, the bowl had food in it that was printed on a molecular level inside and it was piping hot. So that's how that. that was the food we had on the ship. That's how that worked. Yeah, I've heard of that. That's fascinating, dude. Uh, absolutely incredible, man. I, I love this. Um, I'm going to give you the last word on this, brother. But yeah, we're, we're going to cap it here only because I got another commitment, man. This is a hard out today. Sure. Okay. No worries. But, Tony, dude, you're a badass. We will absolutely have you back. But um, my friend, uh, just tell everybody where they can find you. Of course, I'm going to be linking all the ways to find you down in the show notes. And like I said, we have got to do this again. There are way too many cool things to talk about. You're way too awesome. So thank you Thanks. again, brother. Um, well, I have a Patreon show, Talks with Tony on Patreon. You can link to it from my website. Everything's on my website, TonyRodriggs.com. And it's, you know, it's with the S on the end. Everybody puts the Z, but it's Tony Rodriggs with an S on the end.com. There's a link to my book. There's a little bio. There's a link to free um, interviews that I did originally. And there's a memory course that I made, which is basically those exercises I talked about to help people expand fragmented memory. It works on anything. You don't have to be alien abducted. It works on long-term memory. If there's things you know, you know, but you can't remember that exercise works. Um, I do consultations. You can contact me through my email uh, and then the book. And I'm working on the second book and I'm consulting a couple guys who are writing fiction books based on my book awesome. too. And there's a movie um, script that's out there. It's like a love story based on my account that I signed off the rights to, because I think that'd be cool for that. And that's being pitched. I don't think it's being in the works yet, but it's being, being pitched. So, you know, I've been, I've been at it a while and then I'm going to Orlando to the galactic spiritual informers conference. And I'm speaking with some really heavy hitters. Alex Collier, it's his last time yeah. speaking publicly. Elena Delon, it's her first time speaking. Michael Sallow will be there. Laura Eisenhower will be there. On and on. There's Brad Olson. There's going to be a lot of, there's like some heavy hitters. I'm honored to be a part of that conference. I'm going next, I'm leaving next week for that. It's yeah. the weekend after this. So uh, awesome, good things man. are going on, man. They're going to disclose. We're going to, we're going to get the definite on this within our lifetime. I, I don't want them to disclose. That's one of the questions I actually have. Is is disclosure important to you? And that's that's one of the things I think they're all full of shit, and I don't believe any or you know, trust what they're going to tell so, us anyway. But so we're going mean, to need to know. Cool. We're going to need to know that there's intelligent life, and disclosure to me is this: it's not us um, flying around out there. It's access to their database. The technology, the medical technology alone. I don't know about you, but I've lost loved ones that should still be alive. We shouldn't be living the short lives that we are. We can live much longer than we do. The technology is out there. They're using it right now. 
And there are many things that would make our life easier. We are living a very mundane existence where we should, we shouldn't be because we paid for these people to go and discover this stuff. And it's locked behind black, black, you know, I should be able to go visit people elsewhere in the world very quickly. Yeah. And so should you, yeah. you know, like these, this should have happened. We should person. have done it here. That's what I was just right. thinking. Yeah. You just and I could be over. going home in the same 15 minutes. Right. You know what I mean? Like this I agree is with that's you. what, so we need disclosure. We have, these things are real. The world, you know what I mean? Like there, there's a reality here that we're not, we, we've had locked away from us. And so disclosure is the first step to that. The knowledge of these programs is the first step to disclosure. And that's why it's important to tell people about my account and other people. I'm not the only one. And that's the other thing. I'm not the only one, you know, uh, this happens a lot. So I think that, you know, we'll get at, we're going to learn about life in the cosmos and that's going to happen super quick. And a lot of things are just going to fall to the wayside, you know, the dust will settle and there's going to be so much information that it's going to happen so rapidly that people won't be able to uh, worry about uh, point the finger at who's doing what, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. we're going to let go, we're going to let go of a lot of trivial stuff that we, you know, that are waste, we're wasting our time on after a disclosure. Like people are going to have to <clears throat> stop chasing the Gucci stuff and start chasing some knowledge. And that's what's going to happen. I love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, well, thank you for coming on it and popping our Secret Space Cherry here. You are our first uh, Secret Space Program guest on, and you crushed, man. So you're absolutely welcome back anytime. Thank we you. definitely have so much more to talk about, dude. So let's do it again, brother. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Massive shout out to Tony Rodriguez for coming by and hanging out with us. Thank you so much, Tony. This was a killer conversation. We have so much more to talk about as as it is with these things. And so we will definitely be inviting you back on in the near future here. So guys, check out in the meantime, before all that happens, uh, down in the show notes, uh, Tony Rodriguez's uh, website, as well as his book, Cirrus Colony Cavalier. All of it's located down there. While you're down there checking that out, you might as well take a gander at our resource links as well. We have Food Forced Abundance, Get Your Freedom From Fear On, Opus, the Organization for Paranormal Understanding and Support. If you, yes, you would like to start your own podcast, there is a link down there in the description titled Start Your Own Podcast. We partnered with Red Circle and that will get you going for sure. Also, if you really want to step your game up in life in general, overall, break the stagnancy, check the link down there, The Manifestor's Guide. He's got a special scholarship offer just for you, the listener of this show. At checkout, type Expanding Reality, all caps, no spaces, and he sweetens the deal on top of that. Could not recommend this more, guys. Okay, so go out into this incredibly mysterious place, guys. You you know, before you get scooped up, you may have been secret space programmed and not even know it, which is crazy. Tony's got a resource for that if you feel that you have. Uh, and y'all just go out into this awesome place and just be good to one another. Like, g- pick up a piece of litter, let's say, and maybe buy somebody in line and coffee or a meal or something like that around you, something like that. Let's say for sure get out of the left-hand lane because that's a huge like that should be step one i should just said that right after littering because littering is important pick that shit up but also get out of the left-hand lane you got somebody behind you wanting to pass and of course guys above all and anything else go out into this incredibly beautiful mysterious place whatever the hell this thing is and y'all just be good to one another that's it that's the basic that's it just be good to one another thank y'all so much for watching listening engaging and just being the coolest sons of bitches ever we'll see you next time